Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 60 with Tony Robbins of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. It's so great to have you sharing your earbuds with me. I'm really, really excited about today's guest. I know you will be too. He's an absolute legend within the personal development entrepreneurship space and uh, his name is Tony Robbins and uh, I was really, really excited to speak to him. Wow, at least, you know, at least three to four months ago, I I, uh, had a chat with him on Skype and, uh, you know, I I was so, so pumped to share this episode with you guys like you know, even one of our writers has told us like, this is one of the best ones I've ever done. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm not going to tell you more than that, but I'm really excited to bring this one to you. Tony shares with us everything around his latest book, Money, and he talks about so much more around entrepreneurship, hunger, money, you name it. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. And I'm just going to leave you guys curious because I know you're going to love this one. And, uh, I'm just going to tell you a quick little story about Tony, an amazing guy, and I've never done, you know, any of his events or anything like that, but, you know, it's it's crazy the the kind of the kind of level and energy that he brings to the table. And I just wanted to share with you a little story around like how this interview came about because, you know, I thought it was really funny and interesting and might be interesting for you guys. So, Pretty much, uh, you know, I scheduled up with Tony's team and 
it was two times, you know, two times he stood me up. Like first time, uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Second time, uh, he, he was in Finland and he had an opportunity to race Ferraris around the Arctic Circle. And he said to me before he jumped on for when we when I actually caught him for the third inter, like for the third scheduled time, he said, you know, look, I'm so sorry to to stand you up, but uh, the last time, you know, I was in Finland and I had an opportunity to race uh, Ferraris around the Arctic Circle, and I worked so hard, you know, these are the kind of opportunities I don't want to pass up. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> if, you, if that's what you're going to be doing to stand me up, you know, I totally respect that. That's all good in my world, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was really funny. So, you know, third time's a charm. And when I did catch up with Tony, you know, he was extremely generous with his time. Uh, and uh, this is a really cool interview. I think you're going to love it. All right, guys, that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do, please, please, please do leave us a review. It helps more than you can imagine. You know, the show is growing really, really fast. And, you know, the more reviews we get, the, the more it helps support our brand and our mission. And, uh yeah, I'd love to hear from you, Nathan at foundermag.com if you are enjoying these episodes, and I'll speak to you soon. All right, let's jump in. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Tony. I'm a massive fan of your work. Can you tell us about your latest book, Money Master the Game? It's on the number one Times business list, New York Times business list for three months in a row. Why did you decide to enter the financial realm and what made you want to write a book about money last year? Well, first of all, it's my pleasure to talk to you because I know your, your magazine is all about empowering entrepreneurs and that's my family, basically all over the world. Anybody who's got the guts to put themselves on the line and build an organization and try to find a way to do more for other people than anybody else is doing, and that's what it takes to succeed. There are people that I really care about, especially I care about everybody, but I really want to empower them. So hopefully this interview can give some insights. But to answer your question specifically, I've always taught principles of money, but it's never been my primary focus. It's been one of the areas of life that matters. You know, there's to me, your energy is the most important than your physical body, because if you don't take care of that, richest man in the graveyard doesn't do you any good. You know, your relationships are critical. I've dealt with so many people over the years, billionaires who you know, had all the money in the world, but their relationships are horrible and they're miserable because the quality of your life really is your relationships, your emotions. You know, If you got a billion dollars and you're pissed off and angry all the time or frustrated or depressed, then your life's quality is not a billion dollar life quality. It's frustration and anger and depression. So I have taught money too, but it hasn't been the primary focus until 2008 happened because when that occurred, I had billionaires that were my clients in trouble. I mean, it affected everybody and my barber. I mean, you know, the, the alliteration billionaires, the barber is probably as accurate as I could give you. And I was watching people losing their homes and losing half their net worth overnight. And I grew up dirt poor. I mean, we had no money. We had no money for food, which is part of why I'm so driven to help people not only end suffering, but succeed and experience the quality of life that they want. I hate suffering and I love seeing joy in people's eyes. And I love when people take back control and so it wasn't a statistic to me to see these people suffering. And I have a unique privilege that most people, even who know of me, didn't know because I've always kept it private up until now, which is for 21 years, I've been coaching one of the top 10 most successful financial traders literally in the history of the world. Not last year, not this decade in human history. His name is Paul Tudor Jones. And in the 21 years I've worked with him and coached him, and I've coached him every day, he emails me and then I see him every 90 days face to face. We measure all the pieces and the elements. 
in those 21 years, he's never lost money in one year, which no one in his class can say. And it's pretty extraordinary. And so I, I know a lot more about finance than most people would ever dream about because in order to help him, I got to interview his peers like George Soros and all, that entire group. A drunken miller who made a billion dollars in a day betting against uh, you know the, the pound years ago on their black, what was it, Tuesday, whatever day it was. So I had a lot of, I have a tremendous amount of contacts and I thought to myself, you know what? The average person does not know how to win. These people win in good times and bad. When the market goes down, they make money. When the market goes up, make money. When real estate goes down, they make money. When real estate goes up, they make money. If I could find a way to go interview 50 of the smartest people in the world financially, the most brilliant minds, and I could simplify it into a set of steps, whatever number, seven, eight, nine steps that were fundamentally identical to what they did so that anybody could close the gap from where they are to where they want to be, whether it be you know, a young entrepreneur that's trying to figure out how to build a business, but you probably have a second business on the side called your money machine that's making you money while you sleep, even if your business isn't making money in the short term, or whether it's you know, a baby boomer is trying to figure out how to still retire. And so it took me four years to do it, and I interviewed everybody from you know Carl Icahn, who you know, most people, I interviewed Warren Buffett, but Carl Icahn is the most successful investor in history now. Most people think it's Warren Buffett. He's got all the stars and stripes. Mm. But it was an article recently published by Kiplinger's, and it showed that since 1968, Warren Buffett has done something unbelievable. He's given a 20% compounded return on average since 1968. But Carl Icahn has delivered a 30%, 50% better than Warren Buffett. In the last 10 years alone, Carl Icahn has delivered 1,600% returns. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I went and met with all these people. They, many of them become dear friends now, and, and I'm able to call upon them on an ongoing basis. But it allowed me to come up with this book, and I put together these seven steps, and I put this in a format where literally a novice could get started and get results, or a very sophisticated you know, financial planner could do it, a trader could do it. You know, Steve Forbes wrote uh, an article in Forbes magazine, and he said, if there was a Pulitzer Prize for an investment book, this would win hands down. So we've got endorsements from everybody on the planet, and this is our fourth month at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, business bestseller list. So we're really proud of who it's reaching, and, and I hope that some of your listeners will tune into it and pick it up. And I want you to know, I wrote this book, and then I donated all the profits for the book in advance, because when I was 17 years old, we had no money and no food. And my family was fed by a man, a stranger. I don't even know who sent the food. But, you know, we wouldn't have starved. And within a few days, we would have had food. But our Thanksgiving is a very emotional time, a feasting time, you know, time of giving Thanksgiving. And it was about as low as we could possibly get. And it changed my life because it wasn't the food. It was that strangers cared. So I promised that someday to myself, I'd find a way to give back. So when I was 17, I fed two families for the first time on Thanksgiving. And the next year, I did four and then eight and then 16. And then I got my small little company, probably like many of the people starting now, I was a small entrepreneur at the time. And my companies weren't even doing a million dollars, but I got my employees involved. And then my companies grew to hundreds of millions of dollars. And then my companies grew to billion dollar companies. And so now all my employees got involved, my foundation got involved. Now we feed 2 million people a year. But I also matched that with 2 million. But when I wrote the book, I decided that I would donate all the profits. And I called Feeding America, the best hunger relief organization that I know of, and said, look, if I gave you all this money, you know, all the book profits in advance, you know, how many people could I feed? And they said 10 million. I said, I'm in. But then I got more inspired. So I wrote a larger check. So I'm feeding this year. In my lifetime, I've had 42 million people. 
mm-hmm. um, over the course of my life. I'm, I said, I want to feed more people this year than I did my whole life. So this year I'm feeding 55 million people throughout the United States and Canada and Australia. The biggest wow. group is in the United States. And then I have matching funds to make 100 million. Right now we're at 71 million people so far. And we're as we're doing this interview right now, you know, we're in March. So I think we're going to hit the number very easily. So I want people to know I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking to help. I have plenty of businesses. I succeed and get paid for coaching and doing all kinds of wonderful things. So this is my way of giving back. I haven't written a book in 20 years because I don't like writing, but this book needed to be written because if what you don't know in the financial world will hurt you. And if you do understand it, you can absolutely win this game still and become financially free. Yeah, look, it, it's an absolutely brilliant book, Tony, and it's it's such an honorable thing you're doing. I highlighted and took all sorts of you know bits of gold from the book, and there's a couple of of little one-liners that I'd just like to share with you that really hit home for me, and I'd like you to to comment on them. One thing that really hit home was no matter how much money you earn, you always find a way to spend it, which is which is so true. And everybody, I think, especially a lot of our audience now, they're probably thinking, you know, you know, once I start making you know twenty, thirty k a month, or once I become a millionaire, then it'll be okay. You know, I'll be safe. I'll, I'll be secure, but you, you will be to a certain extent, but you will always have a way to spend it. Right. Well, what happens is you're, you know, as you become more skillful, as you find a way to add more value and you're able to earn more, you, you're that same creativity and imagination that helps you do more for others allows you to think of other things you want to create or do or experience for your family or people you love or things you want to contribute. And when I interviewed all the people for this book, I asked them all this financial pain or financial, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pressure, I guess the word I use. Financial pressure ever go away. 98% of the people I interviewed said no. And these are multi-billionaires. Some of them have $20 billion. In their case, though, like Paul Tudor Jones said to me, Tony goes, there's this piece of land that I want to buy that's so expensive that he said, even in my position, he said, but it's these thousands and thousands of acres outside of Georgia that he wants to buy and preserve so that 100 years from now, the forest will be back and people will have those. And he can't just do that out of his cash flow, right? So, you know, it's like you buy one island and all of a sudden your finances are changed overnight. I know that from experience, you know, you buy a jet. So, and and it's not about money anyway. It's really about your ability to take what you envision and turn into reality, to take just pure spirit ideas and convert that into something physical. That's a spiritual game. I really believe business is a spiritual game. Where else is it closer to every religion on earth, which in essence is teaching you to love thy neighbor as thyself? Every religion has a different description, but at its core, that's what life's about, which means you do love yourself and you love thy neighbor as thyself, but you also love your neighbor. You're going you're gonna to do unto them as you'd want them to do unto you. Well, my gosh, if, if you are in business, you have to deliver for people. You can't prosper unless you're doing more for them than anybody else is doing. So it's a spiritual game. Similarly, if you could be you know, more loving, should you be? If You wouldn't question. You'd say, of course I should be more loving. If you could increase your intelligence, should you? Of course I should. If you could be more generous, should you? Of course I should. If you could make more money, should you? Why would that be any different? And so it's not about the money. It's about expanding capacity. That's really what it is. And it's, you know, I'm at the stage of my life. My wife was saying, she's like, honey, you know, at this point, it's kind of silly. It's like, you know, why do you work? I said, what do you mean why do I work? You know I work. I have a mission. I I don't have to work. Financial independence, by the way, is not not working. If financial independence is not having to. And then usually you'll work at something you love that much more. Because interesting statistic, you know, young people starting businesses, not all young entrepreneurs are young in age. Some are young in mind. 
So some of your uh, readers may be older in age. At 55, I remember when I was growing up, the idea was make enough money so that you can retire at 40 and you just you just live off the land and have an island and do all that kind of stuff, right? Mm. And I did that at 26. <laughs> and six months later, I want to kill myself. It's like, there's only so many margaritas I could drink in those days or girls I could chase. Like, you want to do something, plus all your friends are working. Today, my closest friends are people like Steve Wynn, who built half of Las Vegas. You know, he's 72 years old. Warren Buffett is 70, what, five years old, I think. Or, excuse me, 83 years old. You know, I could, list, I could give you a list of 12 people. Peter Goober owns the Los Angeles Dodgers was president of Sony and president Mandalay Pictures, got 52 Academy Award nominations, brilliant friend of mine, 72 years old. They're all working more today than they ever have in their lives, and they're loving it. Today, if you interview people who make more than $750,000 a year, 85% of them say they'll never retire, <laughs> and the 15% that say they do say they won't before 75. So I think the game of mastering money is to not have to work and then you walk different, you talk different, you live different, you do, and you have a different lifestyle. And you find yourself, you know, I work harder today than I ever did back then. So I really believe that, yes, you know, if you want to see what people can spend, look at great entertainers and look at somebody like a Michael Jackson who was near bankrupt before he died. You know, you look at somebody like Mike Tyson, who's the greatest boxer in history, made more, he made a billion dollars, a fighter personally earned a billion dollars in personal income and went bankrupt you mm -hmm. know so you know money mayweather is is now his replacement and he carries around a satchel of cash of a million bucks just in case the louis vuitton needs a visit <laughs> and um, and I, I think he's a brilliant guy and i think he's starting to grow out of it i hope he does for his sake because right now he fights spend the money fight spend the money fight spend the money which sounds crazy to us but that's what most people do they work spend the money work spend the money work spend the money so the only way you ever get financially free is you make money your slave and you stop being the slave to money and the way you do that is something simple you don't make the stupid mistake most people do you stop being just a consumer and you become an owner you become an investor and you don't wait till you have a bunch of money you're struggling to start your business you barely have enough cash for your own business you still invest now because every business owner must have a money machine, a money machine independent of your business, because 96% of all businesses are gone in 10 years. And I'm sure yours is the one that's going to make it, but only 4% make it in 10 years. And of those 4%, most of those aren't profitable. So what you want to do is have something on the side. And, and I'll give you an example. There's a man I wrote about in the book named Theodore Johnson. He worked for UPS, the shipping company. Yes, in his lifetime, he never made more than $14,000 U.S. in a year. Annual salary topped at $14,000. He retired with $70 million U.S. dollars, and he didn't receive any inheritance. It was all his compounded interest on his investments. He gave away $35 million while he was alive. Now, how is that possible? Because a friend of his pulled him aside and said, I want to make you wealthy. He said, I want you to save money and invest. And he goes, I have no money. I only make $14,000 a year. And everybody would agree with him except his friend. His friend said, you know what? If the government came in and said, there's a 20% additional tax on your money, you would scream, you would yell, and you would pay it because you have to. He said, we're going to tax you for your future. We're going to make you rich. He took 20% off the top of his money. He put an investment account that was automated so he could never touch it, never saw it. And it grew to $70 million into his old age. So people need to understand the power. Everybody's heard about the power of compounding, but my God, if you are young 
and young is anything under 70, <laughs> you want compounding. Because I talk to seven-year-olds, they go, God, I wish I would have done this when I was 60. Six-year-olds say, I wish I had 50. 50-year-olds go, I wish I was 40. You know, 30-year-olds say, I wish I would have done this 20. You want to do it now. I, I interviewed the gentleman who helped to create index funds, you know, that are now so famous around the world. And he's a professor at Princeton. His name is Bert Malkiel. And uh, I interviewed Burton. I said, what is the biggest mistake investors make? And he said, the biggest mistake they make is they think they know it, but they don't apply compounding. They just don't do it. They wait too long. And so I'll give you a story, Tony. He told me a story of two young men. One starts saving uh, literally when he's 20 years old, and he stops at 40. And he saves just $300 a month, $4,000 a year for 20 years. So he's got 80000 saved. And he stopped saving any money at, you know, at the age of 40. He has a brother, James, William's first kid, James the second one, who at 40, he finally starts to save. And he saves for 25 years till he's 65. They both get a 10% return. Well, interesting question is, which one has more money? Well, you know where this is going. The guy that started sooner and quit sooner is going to have more money. But how much more money? Well, the, the man who's put, put 100000 in, right? <laughs> The guy that did this for 25 years, who started at 40 and 65, has $400,000. The guy only put in 20 years worth of money, only $80,000, but did it from age 20 to 40, has $2 million. Hmm. So uh, my message to anybody listening who's a young entrepreneur is, get some money put aside. I don't care how small it is. It will grow, but you got to make it automated. Mm, yeah, look, those were brilliant examples in the book. And they're they're, they're, they're great to challenge your perspective because I remember reading it and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Especially the UPS guy. That that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, so look, brilliant book. I, I absolutely love it. There's a lot of golden nuggets. We could talk about it all day, but I'd like to switch gears and talk a little bit more about you and especially all your success you know, what do you value the most? The books you've written, the crowds to thousands of people that you've spoken to, the business leaders like Mark Benioff at Salesforce, who attribute their company's creation or his company's creation to your help. You know, what do you value the most, Tony? Because you've done some crazy things. My wife, my children, honestly, um, you know, God in my life. You know, I mean, it sounds corny, but it's the truth. My wife's the greatest gift of my life. I love my kids. You know, I don't think anything replaces family or God. But I, I would say impact. I live for impact. I love to see people light up. I love to see, I remember the day that Mark Benioff came to me, came to my seminar three times, mm -hmm. and my Unleash the Power of Men seminar, the one I've done in Australia so many times in Sydney, came to the program. He was working for Oracle. And I said, what do you really want? And he pushed him, and he finally said, I want to build this company. So when the hell are you going to do this? And he said, you know what? I'm pushed over the edge. She said, I'm, I'm your member of my face. He said, my name's Mark Benioff. I want to be friends with you, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to build a company that's going to change the business world. It's called Salesforce.com. I'm leaving today, Oracle. I'm going to start the company. I'm going to build a $100 million company. Well, now he's doing $5 billion a year, and everybody from Facebook to Coca-Cola runs their entire company on his platform, mm. and he keeps growing at 30% a year. So, I mean, it's pretty exciting. But, you know, I also have, you know, like, for example, I'll see uh, examples of people that, you know, they were suicidal and I've been able to turn them around and they're, they're alive and it's 10 years later and they're telling me things around people whose marriages were being torn apart and they're together and they have two children now that they weren't going to have. You know, there's, there's business examples, there's personal examples, there's emotional examples. I love the privilege of being able to get up. Uh, you know, yesterday I was in Poland 
doing a seminar there with 8,000 people. I've never even been to Poland before. I show up and, you know, word of mouth and, and my brand has, has made it so that I can see eight to 10,000 people just about anywhere I go, five to 10,000 people anywhere I go. And I can get up for day in and day out and create an environment where most people won't sit for a three hour movie. Somebody spent 300 million to make and it's just me and my thoughts and voice. And I'll keep people there for 50 hours and they'll come out of there saying it's the greatest experience of their life. So that's a pretty fun experience to be able to do. And I do that in so many diverse ways. My business mastery and my Unleashed Power Within programs and my Date with Destinies. And, and then I get to coach sports stars and musicians and President of the United States. And so I have diversity in the impact. So it's family, love, and impact. That's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. I think my work is love made visible. That's my real belief. And that, that love permeates everything I do. And I think people respond to it when they get it's real. A lot of people think it's bullshit till they experience it. But when you're with somebody who works as hard as I do with you for 50 hours in a weekend, there's no bullshit. You see raw and real and you go, that guy could have done five hours and I would have been out of my mind. I was just, Jay-Z and Beyonce's manager just came to the Unleashed Power Then program I did in New York. And his name's Steve Stout. And Steve said to me, Tony, I, I sat back there. He said, I, I watched you for three hours. And he said, I thought, this is unbelievable. I've never seen this kind of energy in a room. He said, but you know, I have seen, I've seen that the Rolling Stones have done this. You know, I've seen Elton John do this. He said, you know, he said at five hours, he said, I look at myself going, this is insane. No one on earth can do this. And he said, at 12 hours, he said, he had 7,000 people on their feet. He said at one o'clock in the morning. And he said, I went to these other two rooms because we'd sold out the venue. So we had two giant thousand person rooms with giant screens on them. I wasn't even there. He goes, they're all up and doing it. He goes, you know, this is unbelievable. So the privilege to have figured a way to meet people's needs that is so potent that they leave saying it was one of the greatest experiences of their life and then see them 10 years later and see how it still changed them. That's pretty damn fulfilling. So like your, your work ethic is, is crazy. Like what have you had to sacrifice to get where you are today? Well, it's interesting. I, I don't look at it as sacrifice. I look at it as what I'm made for. I mean, I'm, it's like, what else are you going to do with your life? I mean, People would say to me, well, you sacrificed, you know, playtime. You sacrificed, you know, time you could have just been relaxing. You sacrificed playing golf. And, you know, I still do a few of those things every now and then. You know, I play six, eight holes of golf. I don't want to play 18 holes of golf, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm over here, you know, racing Lamborghinis here right now, 70 kilometers from the Arctic Circle. You know, I'm going to do this for two days and, and play like crazy. So, you know, I, I've sacrificed letting go, relaxing. I sacrificed doing nothing, but I don't see those things as a sacrifice. On the other hand, I like the idea that I will sacrifice my body, my heart, my soul, for even for a stranger, because it makes me feel like my life has a deeper meaning than just about myself. And I think that's really what matters in life. Can you take us back to your first ever talk, your first seminar how it felt because fast forward, you know, you've helped over 50 million people in a hundred countries. I just like to hear what it was like for you the first time. Well, it was interesting. I, I had, um, I, I wanted to be a sports writer. I wanted to be a professional baseball player and I was starting very late and we had no money. I couldn't play little league or anything of that nature. And then I got a third father who was a semi-pro baseball player and he got me into sports and, and I had such intensity. I was five, one, 1.5 meters. So I'm now you know, two meters, right? And six foot seven, but I was a little, tiny little guy and I wasn't skilled. I had a lot of moxie. That was my only strength. And when I got into junior high school and I got cut from the baseball team, I went, Oh my God, if I don't do, if I don't make the junior high school team, I'm with the high school team, much less get a college scholarship, get all the way through the major leagues. So I said, okay, I'll be a sports writer. I'll be a sportscaster. I'll, 
I'll be involved in sports because I love the energy of sports. I love the excitement of sports. One of my one of my loves for Australia, and I, you know, I lived in Australia, the Gold Coast, for many years and had a home there. Mm. Is is the mateship and the sporting environment? It's better than almost anywhere on earth. I say that with no exaggeration. It just it's just a, it's an energy that Aussies have, and so I wanted that energy in my life. So I learned to to take shorthand. I learned to type. I went to work for a daily newspaper when I was fourteen years old. I got interviews with. Very famous people no one else could get interviews with. And I started work for even a television show. And then I ran into a stage here where I took this speaking class and I had this teacher and I was um, in the seventh grade and excuse me, in the ninth grade. And this teacher, I was trying to get the senior high school cheerleaders attention. I was pretty funny. So I wasn't very attractive, but I was funny as shit. And I'd get her attention at all costs, disrupt the classroom. And so he said, Mr. Robbins, I'll see you after class. I was like, oh, shit, I'm so busted. So I wait after class, and he looks at me and goes, you know why I have you here, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, Mr. Robbins, I've never seen anyone. He's, he called me Mr. Robbins as a little boy. He said, I've never seen anyone take a group of high school students with no notes, with nothing but just pure passion, and move them. He said, you have a gift. And I looked at him like he was crazy. And I owe this man so much. His name is Mr. Cobb. He's since passed away. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, he said, don't you see? I said, well, yeah, but, but I'm just communicating to him. I'm just talking about, I don't talk about shit I'm not passionate about. He goes, there, there's a gift in you. And he goes, you know what? I know more about your life than you probably think I do. I know that, you know, you've been thrown out of your house. I know your mother threw your dad out. I know he knew all this stuff. And he goes, I know what a tough life you've had. He said, uh, so I just want you to know, I want you to read this speech. And he handed me the speech called The Will to Win. And he said, you go home and read this. And if it's what I think it is, I think it's your life. I want you to memorize the speech and I want you to get up and give the speech in a regional competition. I said, I'm not a senior. He goes, I don't care. I'll get you in. And I think you'll kill it. And I went home, read the speech and I cried my eyes out because it was so the core of what I was about. And I got up and gave this talk and won first place and started speaking. And that kind of moved me in that direction. So my first speeches were like in high school. And then I ran for student body president because I was sick of the popular kids doing shit that made me crazy. I wasn't popular, but I ran it like a real campaign. I went to the band and said, what do you want to do? And I did my homework and said, that shit's never going to fly. This, I think I can pull off. And I was straight with people. And I ended up beating two of the most popular kids in school. And I gave a speech in my high school for, you know, I don't know we had those days, 1800 kids in the school. And, you know, got a standing ovation, shook the building. And I was like, okay, and Mr. Cobb is right. <laughs> you know, I can do this. And then, and then, you know, as the years went by, it went beyond speaking just in groups to where I was working with individuals. You know, the first time I worked with, you know, Princess Diana or you know, President Clinton called me and I was 31 years old. And, I'm, you know, he's, he's, he'd been such a popular president. All of a sudden, you know, the Congress in America had been taken over by the Republicans and he was seen as totally ineffective. And, and he's calling me saying on Christmas Eve, will you fly, you know, to Camp David and meet me and coach me? And I said to him, Mr. President, I want to be very respectful, but I'm not a fan. So if you want someone just going to tell you what you want to hear, I'm the wrong guy. And but the guy that I was at his house who called, who was a very wealthy man, looked at me, are you crazy? Mouth to me. That's the president of the United States you don't mention. And President Clinton was really a beautiful guy. He said, listen, he said, I like your style. He goes, I'm looking for someone to shoot me straight. So, you know, when you're sitting down, I'm walking through the, the woods and, and deer running by and on Camp David, I'm 31. And I got the president of the United States asking me what he should do. It's kind of a trippy experience. I've had a lot of those along the way that they, they come from 
God's blessings, they come from extremely hard work. I always tell people, when you see somebody who's extraordinary in public, you've not seen all the intense things they've done in private. You only get rewarded in public for what you've practiced unbelievably intensely in private. I'm always pushing myself beyond. And so you do that for decades and you get opportunities. And if you can deliver in those opportunities, life rewards you disproportionately. And I've had that great blessing. Hmm. Do you ever believe in giving up? Is it, is it ever the right thing to do in your eyes in business? I think there are some businesses that are not a sustainable model anymore. I mean, if you know, there are businesses that at one time there was a margin in and now they've become commodities. So I am a pragmatist, but I don't believe in giving up. I believe that what you have to do is fall in love with your clients. Don't fall in love with your product or your service because it will become outdated. I don't give a shit what it is. Technology is going so fast. The world is changing constantly and forever. So the mistake people make is most entrepreneurs, excuse me, build a company that reflects what they want. Instead, you got to say, who is my ideal client? Who are the clients that will be able to grow with me through time? And then I'm going to learn everything about their needs, their wants, their desires. I'm going to learn more about what they need than they even know they need. And I'm going to be 10 steps ahead of them, delivering more value for them than anyone else. Because that's the only way that you stay wealthy. You can make money by screwing somebody over, but you can't be wealthy and stay wealthy unless you continue to find a way to add more value than anybody else does. And that, that means it never stops. I mean, it's funny. I have people over the years come up to me at times in my seminars and I'll have you know, a guy come up to me and give this really intense look. And he says, you know, in a couple of years, I'll be where you are and you better watch out. <laughs> and I just laugh and I smile and I say, I hope I hope that's true. I hope in two years you are where I am, because when you get to where I am, you'll be where I was. <laughs> I said, you don't stand a chance, because I'm not going to stop growing, but you should give it your best shot. <laughs> I, I like competition. So it's like, you've got to keep growing. That can never stop. Mm. Look, we have to work towards wrapping up, Tony, but I have a few more questions. One is that one thing that I see amongst, you know, the successful entrepreneurs that I speak to and the, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or the people that can never get started is they don't have that fire. They don't have that passion, that burning desire. And I find that they don't want it bad enough. Simple in the simplest form, they don't want it bad enough. And, you know, what does it take to develop that passion, that fire, just that wanting it bad enough? Like that's something that you have that I can really, you know, Anyone listening, they can hear the passion, that, that fire inside of you. Well, it, you hit the nail on the head. When people ask me, what's the single, if you had to give only one trait that is the core to all the most successful people on earth, whether they be in business or in politics or in finance or sports, the answer is hunger. But it's a special kind of hunger. It's a hunger that doesn't go away. You know, most people get hungry because they see something they want or they haven't had enough of what they want. But if your hunger is only driven by your needs, then it's easy to get fulfilled in the world we live in today, especially with the internet. You can make yourself, you know, meet all your needs. You can feel certain. You can feel significant by tearing other people down. You can connect with people without having to work about it. I mean, it's easy to meet your basic needs and settle. But, you know, you look at the people of the greatest on earth at anything, you know, whether it be, you know, Tiger Woods and, and all the years he's been able to do the things he's done, and he's not doing as well now, but my, nobody has, nobody's equaled him and God only knows how long. Or you look at a Michael Jordan in the NBA or a LeBron James currently. I mean, these are people, you know, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant makes 300 shots every practice before he stops. He has to make 300 shots. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the mindset of people like that is he could have... 
you know, he could have said, look, I'm the best in the world. I make $28 million a year. I got endorsements of 100 million bucks a year. You know, I, I don't need to work this hard, but he's never lost his hunger. So how do you get that hunger? That hunger comes usually from pain, quite frankly. People that haven't had pain don't usually have that level of hunger. Or you have to have something that ignites you that you want more than yourself. I always tell people the source of energy is not you. The source of energy is a mission bigger than you. Because if you can find something that you are excited about, like I got more excited last year when I said, I'm going to feed 100 million people. I'm going to feed 50 million personally. I'm going to provide the matching funds. I'm going to feed 100 million people in one year. I only fed 42 million in my whole life. And only, it's still pretty amazing. But it's like, you know, I got more excited about that than just about anything else I was doing. I I had to come up with new tools, new resources. When I started out, there was no way I had the funding to make that happen or the strategy, or even how was I going to distribute all that food? I mean, it was like this giant vision, but it was bigger than me. It wasn't like, oh, how do I make enough money so I can buy another house, you know, or buy a mansion or, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I found that in my life, you know, people, when they aspire to take care of themselves, you're part of life. So life supports whatever supports more of life. If you want to do something that's going to make your life bigger and better, then you're going to get a certain level of insight. If you're doing it because you're trying to support more than yourself, say your family, well, that's more than just you and life gives you more insights. Trying to support a community, that's different. You're trying to support all of humanity. The game gets bigger. And as the game gets bigger, it gets more exciting. There's more energy. And then the hunger never dies. I mean, if I was just trying to say, you know, what do I got to do so that I can have a great life? Well, you know, I got my islands and I got my jets and I got all that crap. You know, it's not crap. It's all beautiful, wonderful gifts. But you can take all that shit away and you can't take away what I've become, who I've become as a man and what I've delivered for millions of people. I could die tomorrow and say I lived well. This is a meaningful life. I don't want to die tomorrow. But if I did, I would have zero complaint and I feel like I live fully. That hunger... You either get because you had enough pain and instead of letting the pain destroy you, you turned it into drive or you get that hunger because you get inspired by something larger than yourself or get around people that are hungry and let them hit you. I mean, you get around in an environment, we become who we spend time with. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do events. You, know, you get an event with 5,000 people in Sydney and you see people from every walk of life. Some of the biggest you know, Olympian champions are going to be there, stars from television and movies business people, moms, dads, and we're rocking at a level of intensity you've never seen in an auditorium. And I don't give a damn where you've been, what concert you've been to. You are going to go into state. When you go in that state, you're going to remember who you are. And when you remember who you are, you're going to remember what you really want and what you want to create for your life. So getting in environments like that and getting yourself around people like that and let something hit you. Yeah, no, this is, this is awesome. Cause this is, this is your, like, to me, this is, this is what, what I know you about and, and in your work. So I, I had to ask you that question. Three action items for aspiring and novice stage entrepreneurs from you looking to build a successful business. Number one, you must decide who is your market specifically, and you must know more about them than anybody else. I mean, that is number one. If you're going to go into a business area, don't go in that area because you write great code and you want to write great code or you're a great fashion designer. Go into that industry and say, who do I want to design clothes for? Who do I want to write this code for? Who do I want to build this for? What do they need? What do they want? What do they desire? See, I always tell people to influence someone, which business, you got to influence them to become your client and then to stay your client. To influence somebody, you got to know what already influences them. So the more you know about their needs, their desires, their wants, their fears, 
the more you can figure out what they need and how to do it better than anybody, how to fulfill that need better than anybody else. That is rule number one. If you can't tell me precisely and specifically, not generally, men, women, you know, from age 22 to whatever, I want to know psychographically, emotionally, where do they live? I want you to give me a, a half dozen people personas of six people that are your core clients, the best clients you think you're going to get. And now tell me what they need. Tell me why you're going to deliver it better. And tell me, number two, what is the competition? You better know what your competition is. Because, you know, if you don't know what the competition is, it's going to hit you. And the competition may not be out there. It's what's coming. New technology, new elements. So you need to know who your client is, going to know what the competition is. So that's how you also know you can keep that competitive edge. And then I think the third thing you got to do in making this happen is you've got to decide that from day one, you're going to get quality financial guidance. And what I mean by that is don't just get a damn CPA or an accountant. And most people don't even do that. Most of us entrepreneurs, we hate numbers. We hate accounting. And so you get a CPA and you go, how am I doing? And they go, oh, you're profitable. And you go, yay, you have a beer, you have a shout, you know, you go great. But, you know, profit is a theory. I just want to warn every entrepreneur here. If you haven't already experienced this, you can have this huge profit at the end of the year. There's no cash. So accounting is a weird world. And you don't have to become an accountant, but you have to get somebody who can advise you. You need to get a CFO. And the problem is you probably can't afford one because, you know, an accountant you can get for an hourly wage. A CFO might cost you $300,000 a year. So that's why in the first year, 50% of businesses are gone for a lot of reasons. But in five years, 80% of businesses are gone. And the ones that are gone in 10 years, 96% are gone. It's not because it wasn't a good product or service usually, or the owner didn't care or work hard. It's because they didn't know their numbers. They were driving their car thinking they were going 35 miles an hour and they were driving 100 because mm. they're getting the wrong gauges. They thought they had a full tank of gas and they were on E and they found out too late and now they're gone. So I actually started a service called My CFO which is a virtual CFO service because if you looked at my career, my businesses now do over $5 billion a year in sales, the combined businesses. So, yeah. I mean, they've grown from a level that's just mind-boggling to me. But I almost was bankrupt multiple times, and it was not because I wasn't driven or I didn't care or I wasn't doing great for my clients. My clients loved me, but the economics were wrong. So you've got to get and, – and, what, what and I'm not the only one that's doing it. There are these virtual CFOs now that you can get. You need to get somebody who can turn financial numbers into intelligence to go, you got to do this. So there's more money in the bank. You got to do that. You got to change your pricing. You got to spend less more money on this and more on that. You need someone to guide you or you won't make it. You'll do well when things are going well. But then when the storm comes, it's kind of like flying an airplane. You know, I'm a helicopter pilot and a fixed wing pilot as well. When it's sunny skies, that's called VFR, visual flying rules. You can fly. Anybody can fly who knows how to, you know, basically fly an engine. But when there's storms and clouds and, and that type of thing, you have to be able to read those gauges. And if you can't read them, you're going to crash and die. So the gauges are your financials. You've got to learn those. And I teach those in business mastery. I take, I do this five-day immersion program where I take entrepreneurs of all levels, multi-billion dollar clients and people literally just starting. And we go five days and nights in this total immersion. It's basically boot camp for business. I promise people a million dollars of value on day one, if they don't feel it's a million dollars of value, that they'll earn more than a million or they'll save more than a million, I give them all the materials for free and send them home. Nobody ever leaves. It's extraordinary. But what I do in that process, I also, during that time, I show them in four hours, I teach them how to look at their numbers in a way that's fun, believe it or not. People never believe that's possible. And I bring in a guy that's brilliant from Harvard that gives you the equivalent of an MBA 
in about four hours. And most all he lived at Harvard so that now you can manage somebody else and you can make sure that you don't get dusted because it's not enough to have the best product. It's not enough to have the best service. It's not enough to have the best marketing. It's not enough to have the best people. You also have to manage the financial part of your business. And it's a part that changes quickly because the world changes quickly. You got to master it. Yeah, no, look, this is absolute gold. And that service, that that virtual CFO service, where's the best place for our audience to find that if they were interested? Then go to mycfo.com or and I believe in, I think in .com, I think they have it also AU and Hall Chadwick, which you're probably familiar with, is one of the top firms there. They're my partners in it. They've been around since like, uh, as long as Australia has been around, a couple hundred years. So <laughs> they're... Uh, they're a, a really, really sharp firm and they can help firms to really, really grow. So I just, I know that's one piece that everybody needs. I know my not having it was, was literally, literally my, almost my undoing multiple times. Once I got that part of my business handled, then I was freed up to just create, add value and make things happen. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Tony. One last question. I'm very, you know, you've been so generous with your time and this has been an amazing interview. If you had your, you know, your last speech, that you could make, you know, 30 seconds, what would you say? Your dying speech. The secret to living is giving. Life's too short to focus on yourself. Find something more than yourself, larger than yourself. Find a vision greater than yourself that will get you up early and keep you up late and fill your life with growth and joy because that's where all that love is going to come from. It's not about getting love. It's about doing something you love with people you love for a higher purpose that you love that will make you feel filled with love. And from that, there's a life of passion that most people would only dream about. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for taking your time. You've been very generous, Tony. It's been an amazing interview. I thought I did my best interview ever, but I think I think you've topped this now. So thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, Nathan. Good luck to you. <laughs> thank you. And I'll be in touch. Okay. Take good care. Bye-bye. Ciao. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.